Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Uh, yeah, welcome. Welcome to the uh, program. What is it? It's January 16th. It's a Tuesday, which means my sister Susan is joining us. And uh, Susan, I found your um, your picture, your portrait. Your, you did? Yeah, you're, you're here today. I got you propped up on my at the mic. So I found cool. it. Cool. What am I, about 20 years younger there? Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Nobody needs okay. to know. You know, it's like an obituary picture. You know, how, yeah, you know, people... Yeah, but ha- you keep saying I look better now. Well, you don't look any worse. You look I pretty good really. in that one. I mean, yeah, but you look pretty much the same. And uh, Yeah, I look pretty much the same. Yeah. We'll just use that. <laughs> and speaking of that... Um, the, the, the science section today of uh, the New York Times uh, said that a, researchers at Northwestern University um, did a pretty quick little study, but it was a study seeing if some of the, if you exercise the muscles in your face, <laughs> if you can um, negate some of the signs of aging that inevitably occur and because there are people who sell programs of like you know you do this you do that you make faces and somehow it it, it's like a facelift uh, without any intervention so they studied this and they came up with it's published in the journal of american medical uh you know whatever Association Journal of the American Medical that it's uh, it sort of works. So they say well, I'm not surprised. you're exercising the muscles of your face. That just makes sense. Well, it pulls things up. So I'm just right. te- I'm telling people that they took pictures of women before, and then you have to do it a long time, and then like a few months later, and a few months later, and then they gave these pictures to dermatologists. And said, "How young do you? Th- what age would you put this woman? Uh, blah 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 blah. And do you think? And uh, yeah, the dermatologists all got hoodwinked and thought the women were younger than they really were. And it was clear that you know some of the bags under your f- eyes, some of the um, the hollowness of cheeks, that you could just sort of get stuff. I'm just telling you, exercise your face." Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. If we're talking about making your face look younger and and bags under your eyes and you are a daily drinker of alcohol, I'm just going to tell you. It won't work. And because, and it's nothing you won't you don't want to hear. I mean, I, I something you don't want to hear is that if you stop drinking and every time you would have had that drink of wine or vodka or whatever your favorite is, you have a glass of water you will within one, two, or three days look like a totally different person. Plump up your face. And yeah. I mean, I, I, I found this out much to my horror. And um, and for a month, I looked gorgeous, and then I had a drink, and that was the end of that. <laughs> God! <laughs> Why are all but the... But it's true. I mean, the if I just, you know, for any given reason, don't drink 
wine with dinner and then and substitute it with water and get up the next morning. You look better. The skin on my yeah. face looks totally better. Yeah. No bags under the eyes, no nothing. So and 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 you and I have very animated faces anyway. We are constantly make, making faces and doing that naturally. Sort um, of exercising. So I yeah. don't know. Well, right. I mean, whatever. Whatever. Just saying. Make faces, guys. Yeah. Make faces and don't drink. Or drink and don't the make faces. The other advice that I have for you is, or, or and don't hang out as the sidekick to our mother. <laughs> don't hang out as the sidekick to our mother? For what reason? Right. Oh, what do you mean? Because she makes us look worse. Oh, because she looks she so good. Even now, I caught her putting on. Uh, yes, I caught her putting on lipstick to go down to the swimming pool the other day <laughs> to swim her laps. And I said, "Mom, why are you putting on lipstick?" She says, "Well, the other day, some man um, uh, didn't recognize me with my clothes on. He said, you're that girl in the pool in the morning." And now that I know that people are watching. <laughs> oh, for God's sake. Well, then, maybe she should wear a bikini instead of her, uh, you know, whatever that thing is she wears. God. Mm, probably not. Yeah, Susan and I have the misfortune, um, or not, of having a mother who is uh, still beautiful at the age of 95 and was always more beautiful than us. It it did terrible damage to our self esteem and our. It made me less vain. It made you less vain. I, <laughs> I don't uh -huh, know what it did. I, really, but I mean, yeah, she was just uh, she was a babe, and and she astonishingly still is. So. Um, there you go. And if you don't believe me, uh, I don't know. What should I do? Post a picture of her. I can post a picture of her on now, yeah. what? On Facebook. Like the one I took yeah. last year out in Palm Springs. I think she just looks. She looks astonishingly beautiful. In that. The time we went yeah, to that fan. The us. time we no, went to that Susan. The two ugly. Yeah. The, no, not that one. The time. It's just her. <laughs> The time we went to that f that fancy restaurant and the mater D couldn't take his hands off her. Do you remember that time? I took a picture of her that night. The nine, yeah. The 90-year-old mater D who fell in love with the 95-year-old mother. But. Yeah, well, anyway. <laughs> so I took a picture of her that night. And man, she, she's ridiculously good looking. And uh, Susan and I don't hold a candle to her. We keep waiting for her. Come on, Mom, you're 95. Could you, like, you know, step aside? Give your poor daughters a chance to shine. It's like, uh, man. Just once. Can't we look better than you? Yeah. It was, it was like one of my very good friends, uh, a very young woman who tragically died of uh, breast cancer in her early 50s. Right. And who was also just a gorgeous. stunning woman. Yeah, gorgeous. 
and I and I was uh, I was visiting her in, in the, probably the last two three weeks of her life, and she had no hair, and she was you know obviously ill, and she had stopped wearing hats or wigs and was just you know bald and being herself, and I just looked at her. She was so luminously beautiful, and I just said, you know, hey, just. You mean I'm never going to get to that even once look better than you? Susan, <laughs> what'd you say? Hey, you're half dead. How can you still be better looking? What? Now she, you're at her deathbed we and you're that, bit? We were having that kind of conversation, Flynn. That you have those kind of conversations. And she was laughing and I was laughing. All right. You know, just so was she just, was laughing. That's just it. Yeah, she was gorgeous. She was luminous. Yeah. All right, enough. Is that caller still there? Some poor person called a million years ago. And hello, caller. Ah. Uh, Call- hey, Lynn and Susan, sissy white liberal from Tampa, Florida. Sissy white Hi. liberal from Tampa, Florida. What the hell are you doing in that godforsaken state? Oh, we we moved down here, kind of figuring out we'd be snowbirds at one point. I I can work anywhere because I I'm either working out of my house or traveling, so. My wife had an employment opportunity down here, so we came. So, so we you're really there. You've you've uh, you've left Pennsylvania. Yes, yes, yes. Well, and you know, um, Tampa's really, a nice place to live. Yeah, it's, it's the cost of living is probably point eight five of Pittsburgh, if you could believe that. Wow. Um, let alone suburban Philadelphia. So yeah, we're. Yeah, pretty happy down there. But anyway, you know, listening to your lament over your mother's great looks, <laughs> not that either of you two look bad, but I mean, it reminds me of Fran Leibowitz who said that she went from looking like a young kid to her grandmother and never looked like <laughs> her mother, actually. So. <laughs> well, but she, she did. Yeah. Obviously. If someone asked her how big of an advantage it is being a white male in this country, she says, well, let's put it this way. If you didn't become president, you're a failure. <laughs> so, yeah, you a lot of them. But, I, you know, it's I know. funny. Go ahead, go ahead, Susan. I'm sorry, I cut you off. Oh, no, I was just going to say I got mad at Fran Leapwoods years ago because one of the first things to go on me was my neck, and I used to, whenever they would ask me for an ID to for any reason, I would just point at my neck. And that usually worked pretty well, and and I get laugh. And then I saw her on some late night chalk show, and she did my neck joke, and it pissed me off. But go ahead. <laughs> now I'm calling uh, two two basic reasons. I don't know that we even get to the second one, the, the Trump economic plan, if you even want to call it that. But um, I just um, one of my favorite presidents is Harry Truman, and I just wanted to endorse the book, The Accidental President. And by the way, that's what Harry called himself. That's not uh, uh, the, the author trying to, like, knock Harry Truman. But it occurs to me, reading this book, that Harry Truman is, 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 the, is the absolute antithesis of Trump in, in just about every way you can be. He was a highly educated man with no credentials. Who's Trump? He's somebody who has credentials, but apparently never was educated in anything in his life. Right. Um, moral standing in a way that Harry Truman recognized as a young man that uh, the world was just chock full of hypocrites, especially religious ones, actually, he learned uh, as a young man. And this, is, this isn't in that book. It's more in the McCullough book on him. But uh, uh, 
when you think about all he had to face in that first four months of his presidency, and that's really what this book is about, a little bit of history, but mostly that four months, it's pretty good. So um, anybody who's ever in the Kansas City area, I know it's not real close to you, Susan, but I'm guessing you've been to the Truman Library in Independence before? No. I have, yes. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a really remarkable place. And, uh, you know, the, the one of the best things you'll ever read from any president, ex-president in this case, is when I think it was Chrysler wrote Harry Truman and wanted him to be on the board of directors. And uh, Harry told him, you're only interested in me because I was a president. And, you know, sorry, I'm not interested in you. And, and, and this is somebody who was not wealthy. Um, no. He was happy and comfortable in his own skin, I think. And um, Well, those times are long so, gone. Long gone. And he was so not wealthy that he really gave up everything to run this country and went back to nothing. And it's because of him that presidents have pensions. That's yeah, right. That's right. They, they, that's, that's right. The presidential pension was passed because of him, actually. So that's right. Right, yeah. right. So yeah. another way that he's not like Trump, who is using the office to make more money. This guy gave up you know, yeah. his living to do this for us. Yeah. Well, what uh, I would suggest, guys, I, I would suggest that the presidential pension uh, has uh, outlived its purpose, and there is no way that any future president of the United States is going to be, uh, you know, living from hand to mouth. Uh, oh, no, that's, that's true, too. There's, I mean, and you could say that of Unfortunately, practically everybody in politics today, there's very few people like that out there. And, um, you know, I, 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 I've long since given up the ideas of making any changes in the system politically. You know, I'm a member of the ADA, and you get these, these, these idiotic questionnaires and, um, from them. And I, I like what the ADA stands for in general, but there are in a lot of ways, no different from the Democratic Party or any other... Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Organization. The ADA, you got to define terms because uh, I know, because that is such an old organ. I can't believe it still even exists. So you're talking about Americans no, for... De still there. Americans for yeah. Democratic Actually Action? A, uh, because, you know... No, I mean, yes. Listen, when people say ADA, here's what people think you're talking about. The Americans with Disabilities American Act or the American right. Dental, uh, you know. De dental Association. Yeah. <laughs> According oh. to the, F the ADA, Crest, toothpaste. Yeah. <laughs> well, they, so, they're as relevant, they're, they're, they're less relevant than the American Dental Association in Washington, D.C. So your ADA is a bunch of old lefties. Um, yeah, and you, yeah, and well, they, I figure you I don't even vote. know if old would be the right characterization because they've taken on um, all the trappings of a modern political institution, which which means to say that they do nothing but raise money for ads that nobody watches. And, oh, God. Uh, it, it's just not... I don't know anybody that sits and watches... Uh, there's that, that, that idiotic... Um, there's a, there's a Bud Light commercial now that has the words diddly diddly. In no, it, it doesn't have diddly diddly. joke. Tom, it's not diddly diddly. No, but I just saw it for the first time. I'm thinking, oh, so this it's is dilly dilly. It's dilly dilly, and it's become a viral meme. So that it was said that Ben Roethlisberger, while uh, doing a count uh, in a game, actually 
changed the the play by saying "Dilly Dilly." Well, I mean, if it's viral, then then everybody's hot on, but me, I guess at this point. That is but correct. I you haven't are. even heard about it. No, yeah, you're both yeah. totally out of it. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, and I and you know what? It's, it's okay. I don't mind it. And, and diddly, diddly. You know, in a lot of respects, it, it's just part of of you know, it's just part of getting old, I guess. I suppose you know, I, rap music I've never got. I think it's horrible, but it's not for me, and that's okay. It's not. There's no right or wrong answer to that stuff. Some of it is extraordinary. Some of it, Tom, is extraordinary. I could send yeah, you some. Some of it is, is is a melody that they stole from somebody else and didn't have the gumption to sit down and find better words. To it's not to. a lot about melody, <laughs> but if you want lyrics that are meaningful, yeah. that are poetry, that are sometimes mind blowing, that's where it's happening now. Yeah, yeah, and maybe I should give it a give it a good look. But to get to the, the the last little bit, if you guys if you want to indulge me the time just to talk about the Trump uh, economic plan here and all that stuff. And well, the, do, out, do it, it quickly. It, you know, the, the irony of them being concerned with debt and and just keeping in mind that uh, debt of any sort is not necessarily bad. In fact, you could you know just ask uh, Donald. Well, but you've been in, in, you know, the school board in any any political subdivision, you know, state, local, municipal, county government, any government that didn't have debt at all, you could pretty much accuse them of malpractice if they didn't have it. Well, I mean, you you had to finance yeah. buildings, et cetera. Yes, yes. And you want to finance them over time because people use them over time, and then you also get into the point of the the, the U.S. federal government unifies a capital and operating budget into one budget, which makes it a big mishmash of a mess to begin with. But the idea that we needed to stimulate the economy, I've only heard a handful of people note that, you know, right now the Fed's actually engaged in a destimulation of the economy. They're trying to slow the economy down ever so slightly. So the good news is what he's doing isn't going to do It's just a really a reward to you know, to, to wealthy folks right, right, when you get right down to it. But the bad news is we're missing an opportunity to lower debt that was increased during time of, a, of national emergency, right? We basically averted a second Great Depression because of the idea of deficit spending, which is good um, when you need it, when you need to prime the pump. And he thinks he invented that phrase apparently too. But, you know, a budget, a budget deficit... A budget deficit in the federal government has two components to it. It's either going to be cyclical or structural. And when the economy is where it is right now, and you still have a rather large budget deficit, then you've got a major structural deficit, meaning you're not taking in enough taxes in order to, you know, finance the amount of spending that you're engaging in. So what I'm saying is, you cannot stimulate an economy out of a budget deficit when the budget deficit is due to structural reasons. And that's where we are right now. We, we are in the middle of a huge structural deficit. So rather than having the Fed down with interest rate increases, the right way to do it would actually be kind of small tax increases. But that's so far off the table. It would be interesting to talk to actual Republicans who – actually know something. Trump wouldn't be one of those, obviously. But I'm just curious to them, 
when is the right time to ever raise taxes? Um, why is it that the right answer for economic uh, policy is always tax cuts? It, it can't be that that's always the right answer, but that's the place where we are right now. They, they are literally like the babysitter who gives, who's watching your kids while you're on vacation for a week and feeds your kids ice cream at every meal. Um, that's well, the way we're pu conducting public policy. It's whatever you guys want, that's what we'll give you. That's, that's the way the Republicans seem to do things. Cause who's well, but, that, but, right? it's not, but wait a minute, it's on the voter. Who, who continually votes for the person that tells them what they want to hear rather than what's right for the country. But don't you think and that Bernie did a kind of a good job at least trying to bring people down the knowledge curve a little bit as opposed, I mean, I really, I, I think Hillary could have gotten a lot of mileage from trying to do that herself because this is clearly a very smart person in her own right. But I, the one candidate in the past, 20 years that I've seen that really tried to educate people as to what was going on that could take people from a place of ignorance to a place of knowledge in a very short period of time, I think it was Bernie Sanders, and I think he's done that better. And I'm not suggesting he run for president again, but that's the kind of candidates you need. Again, getting back to Harry Truman, where I started, where you tell people like it is. Um, right. Trump is, is getting credit for being honest because he's uncivil. And that that's what really bothers me. They're, 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 um, Lynn, I, I've heard before. It's like a Stephen Bochco docu-series, right? The shaking camera gives an air of uh, verisimilitude to the show, right? You shake the camera around, it looks more real to people. Well, they're thinking his uncivil behavior is honesty. Mm -hmm. No, he's just a crash Boris. Yeah, right. Misanthrope, right. what he is. Right. And, 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 and what you find is a lot of reasonable people, you know them, I know them, throughout my life, people that, that I know, love, and respect, voted for this cretin. And it's to the Democrats' shame that they haven't been able to win these people over, that they haven't tried to reach them in any tangible way. And maybe it's because they've turned as corporatist as a lot of Republicans. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't think uh, that. I don't think that's I've a problem. Whatever. God, you sure as hell have. I got to tell you, I'm yeah, looking at yeah. the clock. You took a third of my goddamn show here today. I, I, I'm sorry. Sorry. Mansplaining. Sorry, sorry, yeah. You're just mansplaining. <laughs> God, oh, no, and on no, top no. of that, <laughs> yeah. you use words like verisimilitude or whatever the hell that was. Yes, yes. Shit. One of my, like, remember I left you with one of my favorite words about talk radio, jejun. You remember what that means? Jejun. I it's thought like it was. style by this French guy. I thought it was young. Lacking in nutritive value. <laughs> La what? Is that what it means? Jejun means la lacking in nutritive value. Yes, I, th I thought it meant yes. <laughs> young. Jejun? It's a Woody Allen movie word, see? When you all right, all right. Fuck it, him, it too. Uh, no, no, he's, no out. he's out now. He's fired. Yeah, he's out fuck for sure. him. Yeah, we, we can't yeah. count him. Yeah. All right, take care, ladies. <laughs> yeah, nice, <laughs> nice hearing from you, you Floridian. Bye. That's sissy white liberal. I, I hate just want to say I never, ever ever like Woody Allen. Alright. I just want to say that that guy, for those of you who are relatively new to the program, 
um, is calls himself sissy white liberal. His real name is Tom Kovach, and he in fact ran or tried to as a Democrat in the very congressional district that. We are having a special election in in two months, which will be an attempt to flip it from Republican to Democrat, the, the district that Tim Murphy has uh, abdicated uh, by virtue of his hypocrisy. And Tom tried to run against Murphy long ago and clearly was given a lesson in how politics works, party politics, because the Democratic Party didn't help him one whit. One whit. It's uh, just unbelievable. And he would have been great. He would have, Can you imagine him in the Congress instead of the yokels that we have? All right, enough of this. I can't take any more. I, I even sent him money, so I, you know, he was getting out-of-state funding. Me, you did. You <laughs> sent him money. I probably did too. I don't remember it, but I I'm did. sure I did. Anyway, Susan, have you heard about? Yeah. Ha ha. You said you answered already, Susan. No, I didn't say a word. What? You said yeah. I said, have you heard about? And you said yeah. No, I didn't. Yes, you play the tape. We have it on tape. Susan. Well, then it's a delay, yeah. No, I thought it was you making a joke. I don't know. You did. You said, I said, have you heard about, and you said, yeah. (laughs) Everybody, we all heard it. Anyway, God. So anyway, let me finish the question. Susan, have you heard about... Uh, the Google Arts and Culture app. Which, I tried to do it this morning. Yeah, here's what. Let's tell people what it is. You I'll take try. a you okay. take a selfie of well <laughs> yourself, and you send it off to the app to the Google Arts and Culture, and they search the their database of all the art in the world and find a portrait or a picture that looks like you. They find your artistic doppelganger. Right. So I did it this morning. I was reading the article, and I saw And and, um, just a reminder, it's three hours earlier here. I'm in California right now. So it was pitch dark. And um, and I didn't want to wake the sleeping dog next to me, so there weren't any lights on. I was reading on my iPad, so I quick downloaded the app. And it's not like it's not like you take a selfie and upload it. The selfie is part of the app, so you have to take a picture of yourself then and there. Okay. And and it's trapped, and then they go on the search. But <clears throat> because it was pitch black, my selfie didn't take. <laughs> So you didn't get any results. I mean, it was okay. So I I don't have the results. I was going to do it after the show. Is it relatively quick? Do you think that they send you a picture? Um, I think it's relatively quick. Yes. 
Okay. Well, Carlo, have you done it? Uh, my, my wife was doing it last night. Your wife did it last night? Did something come up that was looked like her? Yeah. It did. Yeah, okay. Jeez. Well, I want to do it. Yeah, no, I'm absolutely going to do it. I'm absolutely going to do it. I'm a little afraid of what... One poor woman did it, and they sent her a picture of um, of a Rembrandt self-portrait. And she's a woman! Right. Well, there's but a it good does chance, look like there's her. There's a good chance that they will match us. No, if there's a good chance that you and I will get matched up with some long-haired man. You know, it... I'm 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 sure of it. Well, what if I pull my hair back, like it is now, well, so I don't look like I have long hair? I'm thinking, well, it'll be. I I do want to do it. I want to do it. Some of them. Uh, there's one woman who did it, and my God, she just—it's a spitting image. Um, but most of them aren't particularly. So you have to download Google. What? Art and culture, and right. and then they'll. That's a free app. Apparently, it's been it's been available it's, for years, but people just didn't. Google didn't realize people would really be well, into no, this. No, they just added this. They, they, no, 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 no. The, the app has been around for years, but it just showed up in an upgrade. And so, what the app has <laughs> is you can look at the contents of. 1,200 art museums around the world in over 70 countries. So what they right, it's an incredible thing. Yeah, you can visit all the great art museums from uh, from your easy chair, as they say. So that's exciting, and I'm I want to do that at some point just to see what happens. <laughs> I I might not be happy with what happens, but I want to see it anyway. All right, and this goes out to all of you who, Susan, um, in our family, when we sneeze, we sneeze, right? Yeah, we let loose. We let loose. And I, I remember the first time I encountered somebody, and it was at, uh, in grade school, and it was a girl, and you could tell she was going to sneeze, <gasps> And what came out was the silliest sound I'd ever heard. It was like, you know, it was like, it was, right. it was not a sneeze. It was some repressed, suppressed, whatever. And um, I've always been astonished by people who can do that. I mean, I could know more... Uh, wrestle that explosion <laughs> that internal explosion down to a little whimper i wouldn't even know how uh it turns out that a, sme a sneeze uh that blast of air that comes out of you uh is traveling at a hundred miles per hour that's a lot of force <laughs> right i'm sure so to yeah. stifle, to stifle that, for whatever reason, because you think it's indecorous to sneeze, or I don't, I, I don't it's really. It's damned unhealthy, right? It's damned unhealthy, and in fact, can 
screw up your ears. It can, um, one guy, This I just read an article about a guy uh, in England, 34-year-old man, and he uh, did that, stifled a sneeze, and he ended up almost dead. Uh, because what he did is he ruptured. Did he rupture a blood vessel? Or he something? ruptured um, his. Let me see what it. X-ray showed that because the 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 pressure of the sneeze and all that ha- is built up and has to go somewhere. It, in the case of him stifling it, it tore through the soft tissue <coughs> of its his throat. <coughs> And, um, you know, it was supposed to come out your nose and your mouth. And instead, it ruptured his pharynx and created air bubbles in his neck soft tissue. And he got hospitalized, was put on a feeding tube. (laughs) All hell broke loose. Um, And he was not let out until the soft tissue wounds had had healed. So, guys, I always found it ridiculous when people do that. <laughs> yeah, whatever. But I just want to tell you, this is my health tip for the day. Let it out. If the air can't escape <laughs> through your nose and mouth, it creates it it, it it's like um you can really harm yourself. The fact that you haven't yet means you're just lucky but a lot of people rupture eardrums or they pull back muscles or they crack ribs just right knees. Just, just to yes and a, a good proper sneeze has to have at least three syllables it has to have at least a uh in front and then a Whoosh! In the middle, and then uh, at the end. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're just you're just doing our father's sneeze there. Our father had a definite sneeze. It was a biggie too, and and um, I think we all sneeze like and him. It said a he, it said Arushka. Arushka. Yeah, uh, 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 right. It was Arushka. I don't know what it says, but in my family, it's Arushka. And it's hardy, and it's out there, just as God intended. Oh. Susan, I was talking the other day. Do you see, I refuse to talk about anything today of import, because it's, um, I, need a va- I need a vacation <laughs> from it. Did you just, Carlo, did you do it? Yeah. Yourself? Oh, Carlo did himself, and who'd they... Ch- Who'd they say? There were a couple. See, Carlo's a nice-looking young man, so let's see what they gave you. This is the funniest one. Oh! Uh, in the Reichsmuseum in um, Amsterdam, because I've been there, uh, you you team up with a portrait of Isaac de Bruyne. I don't think that looks like you. It must be you don't have that huge mustache. It's got your brow. But there's some kind of a thing where they just, I mean, it is. That guy's face and yours. And also, you look. So he did Susan. 
he did he took your picture from the you know your young picture susan we lost susan let's try to get her back so you took susan's picture and you ended up with something my god oh you got a money susan you you they say you look like the lady with a bonnet and you won't like it because she's got a double chin. Oi! And then they also said you match up a bit with a portrait of a lady with a book. And, and no, she's a... Oh, I like this one. And Susan, they say that uh, Whistler did a portrait of you. Suze, you got to call back. She probably doesn't even know she's not on. I think Okay, whatever. That is fantastic. Okay, we got to send these to her. Okay, Um, so guys, you're probably all off doing this, right? Is anybody out there? Is everybody taking selfies and going on Google Arts? I bet you are. Um, What else did I have that was not of uh, much consequence? (laughs) As I desperately... Attempt to stay um, away from. <laughs> no, I don't know. Hey, um, this uh, I wanted to tell you. I know we were able to alert some of you who sent. You got to give me your emails, guys, so we can. And a lot of you have. We've got we got hundreds of your emails, but we could use some more. And those of you who did got this little notice that. Um, I am now streaming on iTunes, so if you quickly want to get to an episode, now iTunes isn't going to give you the live show, but it'll give you, I mean, the show, is it, what, that day, I mean, it'll have it, and um, available to download, you understand, that really makes it a podcast, so you can download it from iTunes and take it wherever you want. And uh happened. The two largest charitable foundations in Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh Foundation and the Heinz Foundation, uh, put out a, ugh, whatever. I don't know what's happening. They put a, um, I don't even know how to characterize this. Well, they characterize it as a public response editorial in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette yesterday. Now, I've raged about two editorials um, that the Post-Gazette has put in the last few days. Uh, both of them clearly written by the guy who owns the paper, who is a Trump supporter. And the Heinz Endowment and the Pittsburgh Foundation put out this notice, and it's titled at the top in big, big letters, SHAME. I gotta tell you guys... Never, never in the history of this city have these foundations 
that are made up of the richest folks in town, the upper crustiest families, who the guy who wrote the editorial probably thinks of as his cohort because a lot of these guys are millionaires too. And man, they ripped him up one side and down the other. For yesterday's editorial, suggesting that calling the president a racist was McCarthyism. Suggesting that he didn't comprehend at all the vileness of what Trump had said. And it wasn't that it was a wholly different story about the Pittsburgh Foundation coming out against the gerrymandering of our state, which also is a, something that you haven't seen before. Um, because it can be perceived as political. So I am heartened by this, by the upper crusty, wealthy, found, biggest foundations in Pittsburgh, publicly shaming John Robinson Block, owner, editor-in-chief and publisher of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I also want to note that this story about the Pittsburgh Foundation and its gerrymandering, of course they didn't say anything about the Pittsburgh Foundation shaming them, um, has no byline. And it's my understanding that the reporter who wrote this piece refused to allow his byline as a way of protest of what his publisher had done. Make no mistake about it, the employees of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette feel humiliation, feel shame, and feel rage at the man they work for. And I, I feel for them. If you want me to share what the Heinz and Dom Susan's gone, huh? That's just it. Okay, well, so I'm I'm just going to keep going. I'm sorry about that. But this astonishing, and the only way you're going to know about it is through me and Twitter and Facebook, because the Post Gazette won't be printing this. I think maybe they will. Maybe they will. Wouldn't that be something? Shane Peace printed Saturday in its sister publication, the Toledo Blade. The editorial is a silly mix of deflection and distortion that provides cover for racist rhetoric while masquerading as a defense of decency. It is unworthy of a proud paper and an embarrassment to Pittsburgh. So lest you think that my rantings of the other day were the rantings of, you know, this crazed liberal, understand that this is coming from a perch high, high up of the mighty money foundations 
fucking drivel. It builds a straw man argument that the term racist is too often used to silence opponents, completely ignoring this president's well-established pattern of repeatedly invoking race to divide the country and to attack his enemies. A president who defends Nazis and white supremacists has described himself, as did his initial failure to deny the language from his immigration meeting and the reported glee his advisors took in tough language they thought would play to the base. If you don't want to be called a racist, don't be a racist. Of course, the editorial dismisses racism as an overused word that should be confined to mass murderers like Dylan Roof and the conveniently distant bigots of the past like Bull Connor. But the very struggle at the heart of Martin Luther King's fight for civil rights was the insidious one it is. Instead, the Post-Gazette editorial hides behind the idea that all presidents speak crassly in private and that a different word would have offended less as though the word was the issue and not who it was used to describe. Never mind that this president, more than any in modern memory, uses private vulgarity pronouncement. Never mind that how the American president characterizes other countries, races, ethnicities, religions, and people sets the tone for how others in the world see us. Never mind that belittling whole swaths of the planet's population is unworthy of a great nation, let alone a compassionate So what? asks the Post-Gazette twice, as if to underscore its dismissal, calling the whole controversy a distraction from the real immigration. That is the most offensive flaw in its argument. Here's what it forgets. Perhaps the central point of contention in this nation's immigration debate is of race and racism in deciding who is welcome here. No serious person disagrees we should have more secure borders. But who gets to come in relevant? The Post-Gazette only proves itself ignorant or indifferent to what's really being debated in Washington and to the ongoing fight for justice that today's holiday commemorates. Pittsburgh, like many communities around the country, still struggles with becoming the sort of fair and inclusive. Who's racism? in the name of politics, to attempt to dress it up in fancy clothes and camouflage is to condone it. Does the Post-Gazette really want... And this piece is signed by Grant Oliphant, the president of the Heinz Foundation, and by Maxwell King, the president of the Pittsburgh Foundation. Powerful stuff. And again, if you were to read today's uh, opinion page in the PG, I went there immediately thinking there would be letters from Pittsburghers enraged as 
this piece just said. And there's nothing. There is nothing. And if you think they didn't get a ton of letters, there's nothing. I wish I knew what to suggest about this. My heart truly goes out to the employees there who no more share this despicable thought, this racist view of their publisher than I do. But they're not in a position <laughs> to walk out because, as you know, newspapers are folding all over Kingdom Come and there aren't any other jobs to go to. So John Robinson Block can do whatever he wants with his newspaper. But I can't imagine the atmosphere over there. I cannot imagine. And the only, the only person I have seen who um, has spoken out um, on Twitter, at least, which is where I'm looking, um, is their uh, wonderful, wonderful reporter, used to be here at City Paper, Rich Lord. He has... <coughs> made clear <coughs> his revulsion and disgust. I would like to see maybe every employee there band together and um, I don't know, can they put that in the paper? They should. like to see David Shribman have a real backbone here. like to see Tony Norman write a piece, Brian O'Neill write a piece. I would really like to see that. I don't know if it's possible. Is that not possible? I want them to know my heart goes out to them, and I've already seen the fallout and that people are canceling their subscriptions. <coughs> and I have said that while that is my inclination as well, I'm not going to do it because it only increases the thin ice that this newspaper is on, like any newspaper right now. Um, and the people who work there have been working under extraordinary strain and stress making less money than they did 10 years ago, um, giving back, giving back, giving back to John Robinson Block so that they can keep their paper. But ultimately, it's his paper. Ultimately, it's his. And he is clearly showing that to us uh, in the last few days with both these despicable editorials the one supporting Jeff Sessions 
in his uh, rollback of uh, marijuana enforcement. Uh, not rollback of marijuana enforcement, rollback of Obamacare rules regarding it. And um, this, yeah, on Martin Luther King Day, they print an editorial by John Robinson Block, who clearly must be a racist himself, because he doesn't even understand that the president is a racist. And the problem is, is if you don't understand the president is a racist, that is a very, very big tell that you are as well. All right. That's um, heavy stuff. That's really heavy stuff. There's one, uh, I've got just a few minutes left. There's one incredible little bit on the front page of the Wall Street Journal today. And it's about the fact that U.S. counterintelligence officials, whether CIA, FBI, I'm not sure, met with, met with, Kushner, Jared, son-in-law, in the spring, or earlier, I guess, of 2017, immediately after Donald Trump got to the Oval Office, and they warned Jared Kushner that he and his wife, Ivanka's close friendship with Rupert Murdoch's ex-wife, Wendy Deng, was a potential national security risk. I've often wondered about Wendy Deng. She was a 20-year-something woman who somehow came out of China and got Rupert Murdoch, who was like 50 years her senior, to marry him. She got the, one of the richest men in the world, one of the most powerful media barons in the world. She landed him. And I guess there was talk then that she might be a Chinese agent. And a damn good one. And when she and Murdoch started breaking up, she apparently took up with guess who next? Tony Blair, former Prime Minister of the UK. He denies it. She denies it. People say she went from Rupert Murdoch to Tony Blair and while all this was happening, she had already befriended Ivanka and Jared. And the Wall Street Journal puts this on their front page about the fact that they were warned and they have done nothing to distance themselves from her, by the way. 
I love this idea because we're living in a world now where we're just swooning at the way things are and saying that you know you couldn't write a mo you couldn't write a book you couldn't a movie I wouldn't even believe it you would say and here's another another part of it Rupert Murdoch's ex-wife Wendy could well be the smoothest spy in history going from Rupert Murdoch to Tony Blair and right into the Trump White House. Jesus H. Just saying. Wow. Hey. All right. Well, that's that. I'm done. Toodaloo. I'll, uh, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> Thanks. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers. <laughs>